You're listening to the Team Guru Podcast, bringing to life the theory and principles of leadership. Hello and welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. My name's David Frizzell and in this episode, we're going to strike at the heart of what it takes to develop a successful business. My guest is David Sharrick. Through his long career as a suburban solicitor, David has seen thousands of clients who run businesses to varying degrees of success, from the woefully unsuccessful to booming enterprises and everything in between. And of course, he's learned a bunch of lessons about what separates the good from the bad, the winners from the losers. I hope you enjoy my conversation with David Sharrick. David Sharrick, welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. Thanks very much, David. Very glad to be here and hello to all your listeners. David, you've got a great story to tell. I, I love the experience that you bring to this conversation, your your own business and, of course, the probably thousands of clients that you've worked with during your time in practice as a lawyer. And we're going to talk about all of that, but you're the author of a pretty new book called Fighting for Enterprise Success Through the Eye of the tiger. And I really like the fact that there's a tagline that's inside the book. It's basically the school of hard knocks. You're giving us all of the lessons that you've learned in, what is it, 40 years of legal practice? Yes, that's right, um, David, and I'm still standing. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) That's not not a bad effort. Now, you told me in your book, there you go, I felt like you were talking to me. You said in your book that you were motivated to get started on the writing process because of what you saw in the GFC. Tell us a little bit about what your clients went through during that time. Mm. Well, it was the toughest of times and in some respects the best of times because when personally or in business you hit a brick wall and you find the going really tough, that's when the tough really get going. Interestingly enough, David, where not facing an entirely dissimilar time right now. The economy is really, really tough again. And we see in cycles that this happens. And my point throughout the course of the book is to get your business fundamentals right, and that will stand you in really good stead as you go through tough times and certainly relish and enjoy the good times. But what we saw as a law firm, day by day almost, were the sad stories of uh, business customers of ours going to the wall, hitting a brick wall and closing their doors. Uh, It was very tough indeed, mainly in the small to medium enterprise sector, of course, and that comprises some 96% of businesses in Australia. Everyone focuses on the top end of town. Uh, We don't. I don't in the book. And some 60% of startups, even in the good times, some 60% of startups close their doors within the first three years. So these are fairly compelling statistics that yeah. get our attention. And so that really inspired the book because it's elementary, dear Watson. It really honestly is getting your business fundamentals right is a key to success through it all particularly through the tough times. Hey, this isn't a question that I plan to ask, but you made the point in your book 
You made the point to point out that you're not a big city, high-end of town lawyer. You're a, a, what you describe as a suburban lawyer. Tell us about the kind of choices that you make during your career that, that sort of lead you down that path. What kept you out in the suburbs dealing with small and medium-sized businesses? People. In a nutshell, people. Mm. It's the heart and soul of, of our firm, of me, in a very personal sense, uh, I've enjoyed 40 plus years of a career that's been exciting and um, I've tried my very best to help uh, people through good times and bad and to understand, empathise, get them over real uh, difficult hurdles in their lives quite commonly and in their businesses. And you don't do it in the same way with the top end of town in big business. I mean, it's like chalk and cheese. It's just totally different. And I'm not being pejorative there at all, as a matter of fact. Horses for courses, that's just been me ticking away at my heart. And uh, that's what gets me up and going every morning. No doubt about that, people. One of the things that has really interested me about your story and the wisdom that you share in your book is that while you were learning some enormous lessons you know, through working with your clients and their successes and failures, you were at the same time, in parallel to all of this, of course, running your own business. You were as much of a businessman uh, at risk of failing or, or at risk of succeeding as any of your clients were. Tell me about running the business side of being a mm. lawyer, because I'm imagining that, like me, most of my listeners think, all right, you've got your law degree, you're a solicitor, you're, you're good to go. The clients will walk through the door, you'll do great work, you'll make pretty decent money, and things will tick along nicely. Is that right, or is there a completely different story to that? I think a completely different story, in fact, David. In the legal industry, it's always been considered a profession, you know, and a little bit snooty at that. The reality is, in this present day and age, it's still a profession, but it's much, much, much more a business. That's what we do as lawyers. In the burbs, in the city, we run our own businesses and have to have our own business acumen. Mm. We have to have our own business fundamentals right. Otherwise, we're going to limp along. And many, many is the law firm that limps and closes its doors. So it's certainly not to be taken for granted at all. It's a tough gig, and I don't expect anyone to get their hanky out and weep for <laughs> lawyers. <laughs> no, they uh, won't. Not at all. No, I'm sure they won't, David. But um, it's a tough gig, and I call it coming out of the school of hard knocks with blood, sweat, and tears, uh, learning as we go, and uh, making our share of mistakes in business, and uh, always looking to improve, do things better, and succeed and fly high. But uh, frankly, some days a diamond, some days a stone, and that's perfectly okay. That's perfectly normal. It's all swings and roundabouts. One of the keys, as I see it, be it in the legal industry or for any um, business leader, is uh, resilience. You've got to be able to bounce back, get up and bounce back from the tough times, from the disappointments, the failures and everything else. That is a real personal key for any business leader. Now, obviously, towards the middle of this conversation, we're going to get to what you see as the top five things that you've got to think about and have in place to kickstart your business. 
But I, I do want to talk a little bit more about your own experience as a businessman because it kind of intrigues me, just that basic concept that so many of us go into an area because we love the content. You know, whether you're a, a chef who starts a restaurant or a lawyer who starts a, a legal practice, you go into that because you love cooking, you love food, or you love the law and you want to help people. But of course, most people find that they spend most of their time running the business. And we've all heard those stories about the person who loved being a chef found themselves not a chef anymore, but a businessman. When you think back across the however many years of running your own legal practice in the suburbs, what are some of the best and worst decisions that you've made on a purely business sense running your shop? One of the best decisions that I personally have made and our law firm has undertaken, number one, uh, by far and away, is to start our own business club for the benefit of the community, not just for our, our own customers at all. And that's been going for uh, six and a half years now, meeting quarterly over lunch with local business uh, people and uh, giving them a guest speaker on a topic to do with running a business like leadership, for example, or vision for another example, and giving them some handouts from our own resources to help them in a very practical way. It's not to do with law per se. It's not to do with uh, the theory of business. It's very practical and intended to draw alongside people and help them. And frankly, you, you uh, coming to any meeting and there's a buzz in the air. Uh, there might be uh, 60, 70 guests in the room, and um, they're talking to each other, listening to each other, trying to pick up tips to help one another. That's exciting. That's a sense of community happening. And that's a sign of uh, a business that is mature, I think. Yeah. And it's something for every single business owner to try to emulate where business owners and businesses get to the stage of giving out of themselves in service to others, leaving a legacy, indeed living a legacy. So that's a number one. And that's been very, very exciting to tell you the truth, David. It's uh, been immensely satisfying. And to see people walk out the door 10 foot tall with some good helps tucked under their arms, gee, that's been good. In terms of struggles and failures, I guess where the business started in the very early days, some um, say 22 years ago, my wife and myself, how she's still with me in the business. How about that? That is a good <laughs> uh, knock. 22 <laughs> years is, uh, of spending all day, every day together. <laughs> exactly so. Uh, she's uh, She's been absolutely fantastic. For some couples, it won't work at all. For us, it's been uh, uh, part of the secret, I think. Uh, as she pulls me back into line and uh, whispers a word in my ear from time to time, I can be a bit stubborn. And uh, she uh, pulls me back and exercises some good common sense. Uh, she has that special gift of long-suffering, David. <laughs> uh, but in those early days, we actually bought a very small practice, a uh, conveyancing practice, from a sole practitioner, and we thought it was the biggest mistake of our lives. We thought that we would go bankrupt. And those first three years, talk about blood, sweat, and tears, and talk about sweating stuff. It, it was very, very hard 
financially very, very difficult debt to wade through. I was just by myself uh, with Lynette, my wife, um, helping with admin and bookkeeping, that sort of thing. Somehow we got through that time and to see us today flying high is immensely gratifying and it's almost in spite of ourselves to tell you the truth. We could have closed the door at any time. We were justified in doing that, but we hung in there. It was determination. My lady's a very gritty, determined lady. And she said to me one day, David, if you don't have passion for what you are doing here, we may as well close the doors and go off to the Gold Coast and sun ourselves. You've got to have passion. And I took those words to heart and uh, passion got us through a near bankruptcy and then the business started to build in terms of these fundamentals I bang on about in the book and getting the business really strong at that basic fundamental level to facilitate growth. And the rest is history. And today we're a thriving, successful law practice. Uh, yes, in suburbia, um, we call ourselves boutique, David, not boutique. suburban. But <laughs> <laughs> we're boutique. Whether it's a half-day energizer session or a comprehensive team and leadership program, Team Guru's unique approach could be just what the doctor ordered for your organization. David, when you talk about those early years when it would have been so easy to close the doors, when there was worry and struggle and anxiety, is it just that there's not clients walking through the door? You just didn't have enough clients? You were doing a lot of thumb twiddling? Uh, Yes, most definitely, because when you haven't got much money starting up a business, effectively it was from scratch, really it was, you're down on your knees praying for the next customer to walk through the door And uh, (laughs) you never assume anything. And back then, you know, you just about do anything, frankly, for new business, uh, when arguably today we wouldn't do the same thing. We would, in fact, be, and we are, very discerning about who we act for and we ask the relevant questions to be sure that we're a fit with each and every customer. And you can do that when the business is more mature and so, did you find yourself with some of the wrong clients in those early oh, yes. days? What's, oh, yes. What's a wrong client for David Sharrick? Oh, heavens above. One uh, lady was a mortgage uh, broker. She was very sweet. She came in very often. I sort of thought at the outset she was uh, like manna from heaven, a real great customer introducing um, conveyancing customers to us, um, etc. She brought in cake and spoiled us. Um, frankly, she ended up in jail. Oh, goodness. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, Ripping she, people uh, off? Uh, well, yes, that and uh, forging um, applications for mortgages. Uh, so that was rather is diabolical. Is that illegal, is it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good question. <laughs> Not. <laughs> you know, it always intrigues me when I hear a story like yours, David. Why did you buy a conveyancy practice off someone? I mean, you were a, an experienced lawyer from then. Why didn't you just start your own shop from scratch? Because it sounds like what you bought wasn't much in the way of repeat custom anyway. Well, let's say it was bread and butter. It, 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 look, to start any business from absolute scratch, to 
open your door and in my case put your shingle up and uh, say your prayers and hope that people come is diabolically difficult. It was back then, 22 years ago. It is today profoundly difficult. So, uh, And we're much, much more sophisticated with business development initiatives, social media and websites and all the rest. But it's which still course, tough. Yeah, and back then our only technology was what a greasy fax machine and yellow pages. Uh, I don't think compu computers were just starting to come in, word processors and that sort of thing. So uh, yes, and the uh, manual yellow pages, of course. So yeah, no, it was an issue of bread and butter to give us a bit of a leg up, and uh, the original vision was to help the mums and the dads. Well, since then it's blossomed into. That, but a lot more than that in terms of its uh, core business focus on small to medium enterprises and not-for-profit organisations. So it's very much branched out into something much bigger than I ever dreamt possible, which of course raises the issue of vision, uh, having a vision. To tell you the truth, David, I had no vision. I um, just wanted to get started. I, yeah, I, I had been in a very successful partnership, law partnership, but I'm a bit of an honorary beast. I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to start out and build something great without constraint. And um, it was just a fire in my belly, something that was burning and that sense of passion, as I said before, it ebbed and waned. But I had no real vision to tell you the truth, other than the very basic mum and dad legal help stuff. And I went to Sydney uh, one day to a conference, it was very early days, uh, sleepless nights and all the rest, and um, they were banging on there at the conference about vision, having a vision for your business, and I thought, oh, yes, ho-hum. But I went up and I asked the speaker, look, we're just a small legal practice in the suburbs of Melbourne. I don't really have a vision. His name was Sam, a, a dear fellow whom I respected greatly then and even now, and he said, David, you don't worry about numbers. You don't worry about, you know, bums on seats, people and, you know, getting bigger. That is not needed to be your vision. Your vision can revolve around service. And I flew back to Melbourne flying high. I worked on a, a customer care charter. It was the first thing I did in building a business fundamental. I did it on the plane. And all I did was sit there and say, well, I know the lousy stories around town, people's complaints about lawyers. If I were a customer of a law firm, what would I expect? How would I like to be treated? And it went from there. And that was on service delivery, you know, answering the phone with a direct line, for example, basic stuff, but crikey, David. Not too many law firms do that, no. even these days. Yeah. Don't tell them all. Don't tell them. It's a secret. <laughs> uh, you get my drift. I it, do. It can be very simple things like that that can flip your service right around where you're exceeding the expectations of your customers, and, and that's one of the keys to it all. And that, mm. that gave you the start in, in terms of having a vision and knowing where you're headed. And, and then, of course, Tough decisions can be made much easier when you know what the destination is. As they say, when you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. But when mm. you do know what, where you're going, those, those kind of decisions can be made easier by the certainty of what you want to achieve. That's a great story, David, and it leads me to the big question, the obvious one. 
then through all of your experience helping thousands of clients over that period and running your own very successful business, what are the top five things that you think people need to understand or have squared away for kickstarting their own business? What are those those hard-learned lessons? Yes, and when we talk about kickstarting a business, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily a startup business. Some of the longer-term businesses are really bogged down and are really limping along. And I, I hate to see that because it doesn't have to happen at all. Look, the five top things, it's um, rather fascinating to ponder them. Number one is where we're starting out in terms of our discussion today, David. Focus on the basic business fundamentals. When I say that, I'm talking about keys to business success. And each and every one of them is vitally important because it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And you have to address each business fundamental and move it into place so you get the full picture of your business for example, yeah, with what a leader, are those fundamentals? Yeah, well, yes. Uh, with a leader, it's the importance of motivation, resilience, and self-appraisal. It's having an essential system. Running a business like a McDonald's, and I'm talking about any business, any industry, having a strategy, uh, strategic planning is important. Vision, values, purpose, principles, vibrant workplace culture. They're critically important, highly effective leadership, team building, customer centricity, and then getting your pricing right, of course, and having your finance well balanced, not overloaded with debt, and uh, a big one, uh, creating new business opportunities. In the olden days, we called it marketing. Um, I don't. Uh, It's creating new business opportunities, and there are thousands of ways of doing that, and ultimately, as I said before, the importance of leaving or living a legacy. And those are the business fundamentals and they need to be unpacked. Secondly, in terms of kickstarting a business, I just referred to it, highly effective leadership. Look, it's <laughs> so many businesses limp along and struggle because leadership is anything but highly effective. Sometimes there's no good leadership at all. And uh, it's about what I said before, passion, enthusiasm, high energy, optimism. Uh, These are critically important. And in Australia, I reckon the real, real important one that's totally missed out, call it top end of town or the SME sector, it's getting your leadership paradigm right, a big phrase I know. But, you know, what are you banging on about as a leader? I say it's to do with building trust and coming from a position of servanthood. It has nothing whatsoever to do with power, authority, you know, a command. It's just not like that, and it doesn't wash in Australia. It may in other countries. I'm really not sure about that. Uh, Working at respect, egalitarianism, dignity, encouragement, exhortation, listening, having fun, laughter, etc. These are really important attributes of being a highly effective leader. And there's ways of building that in. And it's, it's fun. We're not talking hard work here, incidentally, David. It's all, it's all fantastic stuff. I mean, 
David, I'm fascinated with the small and medium businesses that come through your doors. I have two questions because this stuff that you're talking about with leadership is is so relevant no matter how large or small your team, no matter how big sure. or, or gigantic or tiny your business is. But I'm wondering, do those small and medium businesses, because they might start from scratch, they might be a family business that starts as a one-man band and they bring on one or two as as the work expands – is it a little bit of a common flaw in businesses that have grown that way that the boss, the founder, the the leader, if you will, hasn't taken the time to stop and think, hey, I'm actually a leader now of these people. I Above and beyond anything else, I'm a leader of an organization. Is that a common flaw that you see? Absolutely a common flaw. If the 80-20 rule applies, I'd say 80% are of that ilk. And then commonly starting as family businesses, uh, 20% of businesses are fortunate enough to have highly effective leadership. I don't think that's far out. So, and, and my exhortation is really that even the smallest of businesses think big, put in place these fundamentals now while the business is small because you want it in uh, all these things in place to facilitate growth. And growth just doesn't happen because you snap your fingers and say your prayers and hope like crazy there'll be customers and uh, products galore being sold, etc. It happens through blood, sweat and tears, and it happens through getting each and every fundamental in place and starting to zing it along. That draws, um, you know, high-performance team members to you, which is the third point. But you had another point, I think, David. Yes, because I I just think that it's such an obvious trap for people in small business to fall into that kind of, you know, starting from scratch, it's just me to expanding to one and two and three and 10 employees and never taking that opportunity to stop and think, hang on, there's a leadership thing here. There's a leadership lever that I'm not pulling at this stage. My other question was about small and medium businesses in general. And I don't know the numbers, but I, I've talked a number of times on my podcast about that band of, of businesses that exist in Australia where mum and dad and whoever else are working their guts out in this business, hoping that it will grow, hoping something's going to change. But the way it is right now, they're, they're essentially earning minimum wage because mm-hmm. they're doing everything. It's so busy. It's so hard to mm-hmm. get to squeeze profit out of it to live a comfortable mm. life. Did you see a lot of that when in your career as a lawyer? Oh, sure. And a large slab of the SME sector uh, has that approach and that burden that they carry day in and day out. My heart goes out to people who are really good, faithful people, you know, working hard. They had and, a dream. Uh, just Yeah, had a dream and the dream has turned to dust. They would have been better off having a job with someone else and just going uh, home at five o'clock. Yeah, but I would say, uh, yeah, for a lot of people though, sometimes it's uh, it just draws you in to run your own business and Mm -hmm. to have that dream and dream a dream together, maybe with a partner or your your own uh, spouse, etc. So, but yes, that's very endemic, really. But I think fight that. Don't settle for that. Start with some of these business fundamentals. It's like flying a kite. Unless you start it and start flying that kite and seeing it soar, you're always going to be uh, oh, going through real hard patches. I don't say, I can't wave a magic wand. There's no silver bullet or panacea. I mean, it, 
it can be tough to run your own business, but hey, I think I'd make a very bad employee yeah. to tell you the truth, David. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd be a good boy at all. So uh, sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do in this life and you you give it your best shot and you get up there and you make stuff happen. Incidentally, just going back for one sec, if I may, to leadership, and it's an important point, I've still got my L plates on day in, day out as a leader in the making. And I will keep them on really the whole of my days. And that's true. And people on my team will tell you that. I commonly say that and encourage them as well. Keep your L plates on today. Learn how to lead. That difference between running your own business and being an employee, you know, neither is right or wrong. It's, it's different strokes for different folks. But I guess the difference Absolutely. is safety as against a dream. You know, mm. there's, there's the safety of being an employee mm. and, and it – you know, you're, you're not going to go bankrupt. You're just going to turn up mm, to work mm. and you've got this salary, whereas you're giving up the dream of what could be huge and what could be yours. And it's a, a trade-off either way. I find that whole approach fascinating. And anyone who's listening knows that there are people in our lives who can only ever see themselves being an employee of someone else. Sure. And then there sure. are other people who we know who, who could never see themselves being an employee. They can mm, only ever mm. see themselves being their own business owner. But I guess- and that's all fine, but the problem comes when you're locked into a mindset and you're just not seeing the possibilities on either side. Whether you're locked into, I've got to run my own business, but you're drowning in debt and, and overwork and, and not getting much out of it, but you've completely locked out another possibility. Yes, and for anyone who is looking at making that transition from employee, and I'm fully respectful of people who prefer to be employees, uh, no problemo whatsoever, and uh, that's perfectly fine. But those who are looking to launch into their own business, what I try and encourage people, and I'm an optimist, I'm certainly not a pessimist in any way, shape, or form, and I suggest that's a good leadership attribute for running a business. For sure. But it's, um, it's to ask yourself the question, if I were to launch this business and put heart and soul in and say – it was all for naught, and I ended up closing the doors in three years' time or less. What are the consequences in me doing so? Am I ready for those consequences? Now, anyone who's looking at starting a business has to hold that sort of question lightly and have it understand that and accept that, and that's not to stop you being optimistic. You go for gold, absolutely go for gold. You've got to be uh, and, honest about the answer to that question. Absolutely, you do. And you look at yourself as to whether you've got what it takes to run a business. I mean, I talked about resilience a little earlier. Are you the sort of person who can bounce back from disappointment and adversity and failure and and just uh, struggles? Because, that's hey, that's part of the deal. Mm. I mean, no, no one in business, top end of town or not, no one in business leaps from mountaintop to mountaintop. It ain't like that. Yeah. You've got to pick yourself up when you're down, dust yourself off and press on. And you do that. And of course, you've got to read things right. I mean, don't do it foolishly. Uh, you've got to read it right. Well, look, it's gone from bad to worse. I reckon it's time. I reckon I've got to cut my losses. And good advisors are really important at times like that, of course. 
I can feel the balance of your advice there, David. You know, we were talking about what can be the pitfalls of small and medium-sized businesses, and and they're they're real, and a lot of people in Australia are experiencing those. But obviously, there's a whole lot of potential upside to running your own business. There's the financial growth that can happen with it, but there's also the owning something and crafting and creating and growing something of your own and the reward that comes with that, the doing the thing that you're passionate about and that you do really well. And all of that is to be absolutely admired. I, I just find the whole conversation fascinating in itself. All right, David, you're going through your top five for kickstarting your business. Number one was to focus on business fundamentals. Number two is highly effective leadership. And we talked about the fact that no matter how large or small your business is, you must think like a leader in an active way. What's number three, David? Uh, Number three is uh, having a dynamic, high-performance team. Hey, my team make me look good. I'm not good in and of myself. I need a great team around me, uh, helping me along and uh, sometimes even holding me up to tell you the honest truth. I'm transparent in my leadership. I'm not Superman. Uh, I certainly don't leap from one mountaintop to the next. I need a great team around me and they're hand-selected and um, I'm there to inspire them with our vision. I want to see them fully engaged in their work, excited about their work, having confidence and trust and some grunt, some heart and soul, courage, commitment. I want to see them embracing change, not resisting it. And from me as leader, I never, ever, ever want to use people up. They are not my useful resources in business at all. Full stop, end of argument. I am to enjoy as leader a life-giving relationship with them. Together, we're to to have enjoy a vibrant culture, workplace culture. I'm to respect them as real people with their own hopes, ambitions, dreams, needs, and interests. I'm not there to use them up for my own ends. And so we focus outwards together, not navel-gazing and it's all about the business and how great we're doing today and, you know, the dollars are happening and all the rest. It's to look out and how we as a very privileged business of of lawyers, can serve in our community and help others along in other ways other than law, of course. And that's uh, that's what I've said a number of times now, living a legacy, leaving a legacy, living a legacy. So that's really important. But the whole workplace culture is really important. Number four is what I call an obsessive customer centricity. I mean, I'm I'm crazy about this. I said the little story about Sydney. That was your and vision, the, yeah. Yeah, the vision there. And look, talk about excited. I'm so excited, David, at what I see today here. And it started from nothing virtually, and it's had that passion behind it, and it's been focused on people, on our customers and to be obsessive about that, and I think it's critically, critically important. In the 80s, it was all about, well, the only maxim really was the customer's always right. And, yeah. uh, you know, I well remember as lawyers, we were professionals and they needed us, and there was a certain snottiness about yeah. us. Now mm. it's totally different. It's a business, and uh, they call the tune. They hold all cards in their hand. They can pick and choose who they select to be their lawyer and how much they are willing to pay for excellent advice and help. 
and they decide that and they'll go off down the street if they don't get premium service with all their expectations well and truly exceeded. It's a, as simple as that. David, so, what, is, what is premium service in your world? It's going the extra mile. It's having heart and soul. It's making rain. As a lawyer, you might have heard John Grisham's book. Um, it's all about making rain and coming up with outcomes that do surprise and delight, that are almost magical, that are unexpected. I don't know whether you can get that if you're not a lawyer, but it's it's a great privilege to deliver an outcome beyond what is okay yeah. or average. It's just a surprise and delight, and to see that on a customer's face. And what I what I've done in the past is I've actually gone around. It might be a school or a workplace or whatever, and crack some champagne and celebrated. Nice. And, and that's genuinely because I'm delighted and they are delighted and together we celebrate. How good is that? That's yeah. a nice image. All right, David, we're quickly running out of time. Yes. What is number five oh, kickstarting businesses? Number five really is um, uh, bringing it all together, uh, getting all these people issues right, leaders, team members, customers, Leaders providing highly effective, inspiring, passionate leadership to their talented, fully engaged, high-performance team members, together delivering exceptional product and service to truly delighted customers. That begins and ends, as it were, with basic business fundamentals so that any business stands out from all others, working to why it's different, being different to make a difference. And I say and this might sound a little exaggerated, but it's really all about becoming world's best in your own industry, in your own neck of the woods. What a great aspiration that is. What a terrific motivator that is to become world's best. Hey, you mightn't make it, but the journey is well worthwhile in terms of getting there. And the whole key to it, David, the end result is success. And that is not success in dollars or volume of products sold or whatever else. It's contributing. I see success in terms of contributing to the common good, being abundantly generous, building community around a common cause. It's not about me, me, me and my personal gain. It's about giving, serving, impacting others for good through life-giving relationships, leaving a valuable, lasting legacy. And you know what that legacy is? It's the legacy of hope, giving hope to others. And that can happen in any business, anywhere, at any time. I rest my case. That's a beautiful thing. (laughs) You did sound like a lawyer right at the end. So, David, I think you told me before we hit record that you're 65 this year. Oh, go away, David. Is that what you said? You've let the secret out. I've let the secret out. Yeah, I'm sixty. I've, I'm already sixty-five, racing towards sixty-six. Ain't and, that sad? And how long are you going to work full time in your legal practice? I don't know at all. The uh, sun is yet to set. Uh, you obviously enjoy your work thoroughly. I do enjoy my work thoroughly. I do have some health issues, some uh, quite major health issues that cause my wife and myself concern, and and uh, are an extra struggle in, in running our business, but I don't let that get me down. I um, uh, There's still a fire in the belly uh, 
and there's a passion and there's an excitement and an enthusiasm. And I, until that dies out, David, I guess um, I'm in it for the long haul. Eh? I can feel that passion and that enthusiasm, but most of all, what I really appreciate is your wisdom, the, the experience that you share with us all in, in not just your book, but in your podcast interview today. David, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the Team Guru podcast. David, likewise from me to you and to your, all your listeners, the very best indeed. Thank you. And that was David Sharrick. I love his calm wisdom and the genuine care he has for people who run businesses. Because as he's seen right up close, the success or otherwise of small and medium businesses affects lives. It can set people up for a happy, fulfilled, secure life, or it can plunge them into a spiral of worry and anxiety. And those five nuggets of wisdom focus on the business fundamentals. You've got to lift your head out of the doing and apply some thinking time and attention to business basics. Number two, you need to be a highly effective leader. Don't expect it to just happen because your business is growing. You have to be conscious about it. Number three, dynamic high performance teams. Your people need to work together effectively, deliberately. One of David's reflections here centered around hiring the right people in the first place. Number four, be obsessively customer-centric. Go above and beyond. Delight them. They will come back and they'll tell their friends. And finally, number five, bring it all together. Connect the moving parts of your business. Take a world's best mentality, no matter what your industry. As always, I'll share the lessons I took from my conversation with David on the Lessons Learned page for this podcast. You'll find it along with the entire back catalogue of Team Guru podcasts on our website. That's teamswithans.guru slash podcast. Connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, or LinkedIn, and join me for the next episode on this, my mission to bring to life the theory and principles of leadership. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now.